Listen, building a hyperlocal website is hard. Hard, but not impossible. In this episode, we talked to my longtime friend, Jason Ferris, all about how he built his hyperlocal website, fresyes.com. From a tiny little community website to a massive lead magnet with well over 29,000 subscribers, and how he went from a single agent to a team of 20 plus agents doing well over 100 transactions a year. If he can do it, you can too. Let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Weekly Boost. My name is Ricardo Bueno, and I'm a 10-year veteran of the real estate industry. And this podcast is dedicated to taking an honest look at the reality of marketing and growing your real estate business. My guess is you want to close more deals, whether it's working with buyers or sellers. But it's not as easy as some people, like bullshit marketers, would have you believe. I spend my day consulting with some of the best agents in the industry, which basically means I have a front row seat to the behind the scenes of world-class marketing campaigns and listing strategies, and I'm here to unveil some of those strategies and tactics with you. Listen in as I share what's good in real estate and the world of marketing. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Weekly Boost. This week, I'm with my good and longtime friend, Jason Ferris. Jason, how are you, man? I am well. And you know what? You said longtime friend. And yes, that's true, by the way. I wasn't going <laughs> to start this off by calling you out. But how many years have we known each other? Oh, man. I've known you since you were a baby. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> if everyone could see me, they'd be like, dude, that's a lot. I think we had this debate one time. We were at a real estate convention or something. And we had this conversation, and I don't know that we ever figured it out. No, I think the latest Tom Ferry one in Anaheim or something. That's when we were talking about it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to say it's probably 2006. Yeah, man. I Somewhere think, around there, early Inman days. Yeah. What happened was, so I got started in the industry before the subprime market collapse, and I started making the conference circuit, the rounds around the conference circuit in about 2008, 2009. Okay, so then, then that's yeah. what it would have been. So, gosh, I predate you. Holy <laughs> Thank you to people like you and other graceful souls who imparted their wisdom and, and helped me grow up into the person I am today. Can't believe I'm having a baby now. <laughs> yeah, congratulations on that. That's Thanks, exciting. Man. You've got to like... One of the reasons I wanted to talk to you was, you know, you've been doing this for a long time. You've been through more than a couple of different markets. For sure. You don't get to, you know, 135 sales in the last 12 months. I'm looking at your Zillow profile. You don't get to kind of where you are without discipline, without having good structure, without having kind of a, a, a goal and values. One of the things I talk about with agents is what makes you different? What makes you unique? And it's tough because people always say, oh, well, we have the best service or we have this, we have that. And it's, it's like, that's not really an identifier. That's not you just sound like every other agent in the market. When I look at you and the brand and the community that you've built over the years, you started fresyes.com. You've built that into a sort of blossoming community. That didn't start out that way, I'm sure. No, no, no. So I kind of wanted to talk about that. Let's start with what your strategy has been for Hyperlocal. How has that kind of developed into its own brand? Let's, let's start there. You said it early on, you said we try to differentiate ourselves mm. from each other. But at the end of the day, most of us, a consumer can't differentiate our one mm -hmm. over the other. In fact, it's a story that I share often on how 
I made up a fake name. I think it was Tim Smith. And <laughs> I sent an email inquiry on the same property to seven or eight different agents, all at different yeah. brokerages, all within my community. And I got the same drip response back from on all of them. <laughs> Oh, wow. so, like, how am I as a consumer, you know, Tim Smith, like, how would I make my decision on which agent I'm going to work for when they right. all gave me the same thing? First of all, they really made themselves look like they weren't worth anything because everything was automated, you know? Right. And, and so like, how did they, they're not differentiating themselves. Right. But early on when I got into real estate, I just pulled up a bunch of real estate agents, websites, and you know, they all look the same. Yep. Uh, in their defense, they're probably, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of options out there like there yeah. are today, but they all were really just uh, very cookie cutter, very agent's face. And then a lot of them had their thumb up in the air, and, you know, <laughs> and then it just provided a search. It was just a place where you search for homes. Well, I mean, gosh, if you want to search for homes, even back then, there are a wide variety of different places you yep. to search for homes. So why would someone choose me? How am I going to stand out? Yeah. Of course, early days, I, I had gone to Inman and I remember they were doing like a some kind of blog contest or something. Now, I didn't join it. It yeah. started like the year before and they announced the winners that year. And so it was like Inez with Mianiism. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And, and some Bill Lublin and Jay Thompson, the Phoenix real estate guy. Yeah. I can write. I enjoy writing. So I said, okay, what am I going to write about? And I didn't want to write about stats. You know, yeah. like I actually kind of struggled on the number side of things at the time. No one ever showed me like where the stats were coming from and yeah. how to interpret them. And so I just said, well, maybe I'll write about this restaurant down the street because everyone talks about how like neighborhood's so important, location, right. location, location. So I started writing, right? Telling the stories of the neighborhood. And then of course I was clever enough to brand myself Fres Yes instead of Fres No. But early on, I, it was very evident that the more I wrote, the more business was coming my way. The only channel I had to let people know that I was writing was on Twitter. Facebook yeah. wasn't what it is now. Was, wasn't it? Was, that wasn't even in existence. Yeah, you know, it was just Twitter. And so luckily, I was aggressive there, not just in broadcasting information, but yeah. listening. And then I, when I wanted to expand, I just asked who is like-minded people out there that want to tell the positive stories of Fresno. And some people agreed. And, and next thing you know, it was gone from just me writing to seven writers and an editor. Looking back though, like I would have done, I would probably done a little different. I would have definitely done the same thing. Yeah. I would have like probably tracked and measured the cost tracked and measured like what people were reading versus I just know they're reading. Right. I got into the analytics a lot more if I could go back in time and, and start over because there was a point where I felt like some of our posts were just content for the sake <laughs> of content. Uh, right. You know, later we realized like, okay, like what we want to do is figure out what people want to hear about and then try to give them that. But it took some time to realize that. But that's kind of how we, we differentiated ourselves. We're not kind of, I mean, it is. Yeah. You know, we just committed to telling the stories of the people, the places, the lifestyle and homes of our community. And, and we just didn't go away from that. And the consistency, I didn't say to myself early on, hey, if I'm just consistent, I just committed to being consistent. <laughs> yeah. And then I realized later that, hey, that consistency 
is what's helping build my brand and creating an expectation in the market. They'd go to our site with the expectation of seeing a new story. Yeah. There wasn't, like, they wouldn't come back. When you were doing that yourself, how regularly were you posting? Every day. We have over 8,000 stories on that. That's wild. That's wild. Yeah. So I know- we lost a lot of content one time. So there was a big server issue years ago and we had to start over. It was devastating. Oh no. Devastating. And then about six months after we had started over, the company reached out and said, Hey, we actually got your content. No way. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of one of those things. We've got an archive <laughs> of stories that are just really, really old. And it's just whether or not I want to pay somebody to get them back all up. <laughs> so they're just sitting in an archive. But we have over 8,000 stories. Dude, that's and, wild. And then matter of fact, Mike Mueller, who helped me set it up originally, is oh, wow. keeping his eyes on my website for me. Like, So if something breaks, he's the that's guy awesome. I go to to fix it. Yeah. Lots of different stories. And we developed uh, a newsletter. And I remember working at a company, I won't say their name, nothing against them, but I did leave over kind of this. They didn't like me blogging. You know, they didn't like me oh, wow. sharing pictures of homes or, or, or videos, which you had to take on these. You they know, they didn't like it because you were building your brand or because... They didn't want to share the information. Oh, they, wow. They thought the value in a real estate agent was... In, Not transparent, like the opposite of transparency. They need to yeah, be like holding the information. Make wow. them come to us. Let's get right. something in exchange for the information. And I just thought that that was a losing strategy. Yeah, Zillow was just popping up. I'm like, you know, this is not... That, that seems like a very sort of scarcity mindset we talked yeah, about. Yeah, it's, I think it's old school too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the broker at the time, the owner was older and it's all he knew. A lot of people, I think, made that mistake. But I remember being in a, in a marketing meeting with them, suggesting to them, I said, look, I've got a newsletter that's doing really well. You guys should get a newsletter, communicate to all the, all the people, all the emails you have, you know, build a list over time. And, and they just wanted to subscribe to this service that just pumped out like, you know, the Betty Crocker recipe, <laughs> turn your clock back, like that kind of thing. Yeah. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, Everybody does that. Like, be like everybody got to be different. Why are they going to choose right. us? Shortly after I left, because they did go with this out of the box generic content thing. Yeah. But our newsletter has been pivotal over the years to growing our, our business. It's just been great, and I'm like in the process of doubling down on it. But we've oh, got. Wow. We actually at one point we had a newsletter. I don't know if you know this. We had a newsletter, like seven or eight different versions of our newsletter. <laughs> wow! So if we knew that you like food, you were subscribed to our food newsletter. Right. And go out and it would just have the stories from that week that yeah. were food related. If you liked entertainment. Anything we wrote in the entertainment field, or if you'd like fashion, we actually had a fashion one. Oh, wow. And so if you were into fashion, we had one writer that just wrote about fashion. You basically have all of these different channels and all yeah. of these different segments. Yeah. And that's how we first started segmenting. And then it became like, what was funny was the writers got frustrated. <laughs> how do you mean? Why? They wanted to write about different things. Oh, that's funny. The fashion girl says, I don't want to write just about fashion. I want to write about food. <laughs> All of a sudden, everyone found themselves... Well, because they were getting paid that way. Uh, so okay. they get paid per post. 
and they'd get paid per like, share, action that their readers would take. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, like 25 cents per. Yeah. And so if you wrote about food, you're getting a couple hundred bucks. Where if you wrote about the new girls' clothing store, like maybe you made 30 bucks. Yeah. And so once the writers <laughs> figured that out, they all went right about food. <laughs> so it kind of forced us to make a change there. And we just went to one newsletter. And now what we'll do from time to time is like, we'll do a little bit of more targeting with it because we do still have our list all segmented. Yeah. So you got to do a little deep dive to get there, but we do have it. Let's back up for a second because you did mention you sourced sort of contributors. I thought that your contributors today were your agents. That's a good point. One of the ways, and, and for everybody listening, I'll give you guys this as a sort of tactical, I guess, tip, I guess. When we launched Agent Press back with Copy Blogger a few years ago, we had to help our agents source writers because here's the thing that I know about a lot of real estate agents. Uh, Jason, tell me if you feel the same. A lot of us aren't writers. We won't create content. It's 100% right. So, so what we, struggle. Yeah. So what we did is we put out an ad on Craigslist and the headline was new hyperlocal website looking for talented and enthusiastic writers. And it said, hey, do you live... In Fresno, are you in the know in all, into all of the fun, hip, uh, and exciting things to do? If so, I want to hear from you. Are you a social butterfly both in person and offline? If so, I want to hear from you. Hit reply and email me a link to all of your public social media profiles, not your private ones, your public ones, because I wanted to know that you were, in fact, a social butterfly online because the job wasn't just to write content. It was to promote it to your social sphere. Yes. And then number two, email me back a writing sample and then email me a story, 300 words or so, on one of your favorite things to do in your community and an insert community name. And what we got was we got a ton of submissions from stay-at-home moms who were perfectly fine doing a sort of side job, work on the side. But what was great about a lot of these stay-at-home moms is that they're super like influential in their own little networks. So they would create a bunch of really great content and then promote the heck out of it. Yes. We would hire these writers for, you know, 10, 15, $20 per post. We would hire them from people who are contributing to a local business journal. They didn't have enough writing assignments. So we hired them to create content for all of these hyperlocal. So I think you stole my stuff. <laughs> No, that's exactly what we did. You know, most of our bloggers were stay-at-home moms. A couple of them would have a job, and then they'd do it kind of in the evening. But okay, that's be, awesome. They would be influential amongst their own, like their network, and so that was absolutely what we did. When we do it, we've expanded our this newsletter idea into some other markets just as a test. There, what we've done is, hey, learn how to write and get paid for it. Oh wow! Yeah. And so we'll teach them like kind of you know, how to write, then of course, we, if they're good, we say, oh, and hey, here's how you get paid, like, we'll hire you. Right. You know, every, for every time that you write a post that we publish. Right. Not every time you write a post, but every time you write a post that you publish. Right. Because some of them, you can tell, are thieved from other websites yeah. or are just gone into Wikipedia. Yeah. Um, so if you're basically playing editor-in-chief at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I played editor for a really long time, years. Had somebody do it. Problem that we struggled with with somebody who did it outside of our market 
was they didn't know our uh, market. Yeah. 99% of our posts were local to some degree. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so he, he couldn't say, oh, the best part about this is that it's just down the street from, yeah. you know, like he wouldn't, he wouldn't know to add that kind of stuff. And so we did eventually get a local editor who worked out great for a pretty long period of time. And then we parted ways and went a different direction. And right. but it's a bigger, what a lot of people don't realize is it can be a big kind of undertaking to do. Yeah. It doesn't have to be, but it can be to put out, new content every day or three or four times a week that's edited, you know, that reads well, that's got images that aren't stolen. That's a full-time um, job. That are tagging other brands and yeah. stuff. So you're doing some of this collaborative work. It's a lot of work. It doesn't have to be, but if a new agent, an agent listens to the podcast and they're like, man, I really want to get into this. You start with what you can manage, right? right. Or with you and plus one can manage. Right. Just focus on getting one article up that's good quality right. stuff a week. You know, no fluff. Like it's better just to have something really good that everyone's going to want to read. Right. And then spend a little money getting it promoted. Get right. it on LinkedIn. I mean, get it on Facebook, get it on Twitter, get it on Instagram with different images that are relative to those platforms. Right. And then get it on LinkedIn. Here's the other challenge that I think a lot of people will face. A lot of agents are, you know, looking for the next transaction. This sounds like a lot of work. It's not a short game where you're going to get a big return on investment. No, but it is a great long term. Let's talk about the newsletter. I know you had different channels and you've been segmenting. How have you taken the newsletter and converted it into business? The newsletter, it used to just, for years, it just killed, you know, like 95% open rate. I mean, just, <laughs> it was amazing. And then all of a sudden, one day, it really started taking a huge dive and I couldn't figure out. Really? Yeah, for a little while, I couldn't figure out what was going on. What it was is Facebook had finally kind of made it. Yeah. And so what we were doing is we would write the article and put it on the blog, put it on our website, and then we would share it on Facebook. And then then we'd put it in our newsletter. Yeah. So, so many people had moved to Facebook. They're like, hey, oh, wow. I'm just going to unsubscribe from the newsletter because... I can I'm get already, it over here. I can get it on Facebook where my eyes are already at. Right. I have to wait till Saturday. It took me a little bit to get that figured out. I, I, <laughs> I, I called some people and I said, you know, like, hey, I want to provide value to your life, you know, in this newsletter and, you know, and keep it local. Uh, I noticed you unsubscribe. You, you did actual customer research. Absolutely. Man. Dude, Absolutely. that's awesome. I called, I don't know, man, this goes back a few years, but I called at least a few hundred. That is awesome. No, you did not. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Overwhelmingly. The response was, I already get it on Facebook. I don't need it two places. And Dude, I, just, I can't tell you how many people like that's that's brilliant. Like you did the right thing. Yeah, and like, oh, okay. So what we gotta do is we gotta come up with content that you can't find on Facebook. Right. That you can't find on our website, like content that is exclusive to our newsletter. Right. When we went on this big campaign about putting like, hey, this story or this contest, this right. whatever can only be found in our newsletter, our subscription, people started resubscribing, but we had, to awesome. we had to rebuild. I mean, we lost 30, 40,000 subscribers. It was no way. Almost, every day it was like, you know, <laughs> like what is going on? You know, I'm like, I got to figure this out. And, and, and anyway. So this will probably blow some people away, but when they hear, wait, you lost 30, 40,000 subscribers. How many subscribers did you have? We had just under a hundred thousand. 
That's wild. Yeah, we had just under a hundred thousand. Uh, and you didn't pay for any of that, right? All organic. All organic. When we rebuilt our list, we did run some ads on, hey, subscribe to our newsletter when we rebuilt to get some momentum going. Right. But no, the first was all organic, man. It was a a different time. And I wish I would have known then what I had. I didn't realize, you know, what I had until I had to go rebuild it. I'm like, gosh, you know, like I should have done more with that list, more segmenting, like we're talking about. And that's a good topic for everybody. A lot of times when I'm speaking on a stage, the topic is connecting with people in meaningful ways, about being like this list builder. They're not leads, they're people. At the end of the day, it's, it's all about connecting with people in a meaningful way. Right. Right. Like what's relative to their life. Right. Uh, the example that, that I always use is, is just an easy one to give. But if you are a beer lover, like you love yeah. craft beer, you maybe make it at home, that's your thing. Right. Right. And I send you a newsletter in the headlines like Wine Festival in Fresno. <laughs> I'm not going to be interested. You're just going to hit delete, right? right? And if next week, you know, if you happen to be a Oakland A's fan and the next week it says, you know, while the LA Dodgers win again, it's a delete, <laughs> yeah. you know? And, and so too many of those deletes, they're no longer interested. That's your unsubscribe or they don't unsubscribe. They, they move you to your junk because it's never open. You aren't showing trust right. to them at all. Now imagine though, if you got an email and it says, you know, new craft brewery opens up in Fresno, focuses on sour beers. Like the beer lovers like, oh, no way. (laughs) I'm opening. And they're like, wow, this is cool. But imagine if it was a step further and it says, hey, Jim, right? The reader's name's Jim. And so it's like, man, like. You're personalizing the experience. Yeah, like Jason really paid attention to the fact that I love beer. Down below, there's additional information. You know, there's a house. Yeah, featured house or something about interest rates. I'm opening it up with something that ideally they care about. When something I'm that they can re- relate with or resonate with, et cetera. Yeah, my CRM is you know that's what it's all about, right? It's knowing this person likes baseball or football or they're like both. This person likes tacos or hamburgers, <laughs> like whatever. I want to know anything and everything about them. And it's funny, like I mean, you think about the big brands, right? Like Amazon. Yeah. Google, you know, Zillow, these big brands are spending millions and millions of dollars to learn everything there is about their consumer. Oh, yeah. It's just what they do. And they're doing it because they want to figure out how to make a connection with my people, with the people in my database, the people that are reading my newsletters. And once they figure out how to make a meaningful connection, they're, they're making a connection, but once they get a brand, they create a brand because something that the consumers trust. Yeah. They can make a meaningful connection with that brand. I mean, I'm in trouble. Yep. Real estate agents across the country are in trouble. People don't want to spend $300,000 or $500,000 with someone they don't trust. Yeah. Certainly not a brand they don't trust. To Zillow's credit, they're doing an exceptional job with their brand. They yep. are becoming a brand, not only a household name, but they're becoming slowly a brand that they can trust um, right. as they shed working with, as they move to this flex program <laughs> and they start shedding away agents who are just trying to buy attention, yep. going instead with agents who want to provide exceptional experiences, their brand, their trust, that they're yeah. 
they're building with the consumer will increase. And then they're going to take all that data that they've been collecting <laughs> for years. They're going to talk to services and, that collect interest. And all of a sudden, it's going to be, you know, hey, Jason, looking for a house near XYZ taco joint. <laughs> and I'm going to go, yeah, man, like, that's my favorite taco joint. And <laughs> there's going to be a house right there. And that's what we are doing today. So my agents in my office aren't, but, you know, like, I'd love to get them there someday is I will do it, right? Like, I know my, my database is dialed in that way where I can go to the taco place. Yeah. And, wow, this is really good carne asada. And I can go to my database, filter out everything that's not carne asada. And send information about this taco joint to just the people who just that segment. Yeah. So do you ever do you ever pitch or send like announcements and broadcast emails to try to convert it to real estate, or is real estate kind of the subtle undertone of? It's got to be the subtle undertone. So I, I will say with absolute certainty that over the years we have tried, we've tried yeah. to lead with real estate, and it's just people don't care. They're like, yeah. Ah, you know, eh, like we'll watch them bounce off our website. <laughs> like if we have a real estate article like, yeah. that we just published, we sure as hell, in addition to that, better have published a few articles about local. Yeah. Right. Otherwise, so when they click on the article and they're like, okay, it's just about this over to the right hand side. They're like, oh, what's that burger joint? Yeah. Or what's that event that's happening on Saturday? So at least they're clicking to another story, not just leaving our website entirely. Every time we've led with real estate, our traffic goes down, the numbers really change. And so that's okay. Like we're fully committed at this point to being a media company. I really want to position us as a media company first that yeah. happens to employ skilled real estate agents, not a real estate company who goes and hires or yeah. tries to be its own advertising company. You're a brand that's being of service to the community, right? What's a big advertising company in New York? Name one. Do you know one off the top of your no. head? I mean, we yeah. can Google one, right? But let's say it's, you know, firework advertising. Yeah. Like, what would be so bad about a sign in the yard that said firework advertising presents this home? Just like they would present a BMW yeah. right? or, or, or a, a, a nice watch. I mean, really, it's all about exposing the home to the most amount of people. And who better to do that than an advertising company or a marketing yeah. media company? Yeah. You know, and now who's going to handle the negotiations? Who's going to handle the paperwork? Well, that's okay. We happen to also employ right, yeah. amazing negotiators and they're going to help uh, negotiate all this. And by the way, we've got some people who specialize in pricing homes. Yeah. Got them all lined up too. So it's just interesting, I think, to me. And, and for the agents that are out there, maybe it'll get them thinking about how to position their brands in, in the coming days and, and weeks and months. I can imagine a few markets out here where they'd say, I have to go with Villa or I have to go with so-and-so. So is it ever a, an objection point when you're at a listing appointment? No, I don't get that too often. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, it just comes down to, you know, what are you looking for in the sale of your home? Most of yeah. money? Well, yes. Yeah. Do you think, <laughs> what's the best way to do that? Get it in front of a handful of people or like hundreds of thousands of people? Yeah. Well, I guess you, have a thousands, you guess it's supply demand. If I can convince, you know, a hundred thousand people that, you know, your house is the house to buy and there's only one of your homes, guess what? We're going to get offers and we're going to get good offers. Yeah. Now, if on the flip side of that, 
is if I can only get your house in front of a dozen people, by the way, those dozen people are also searching other sites at the same time because the website they're searching on is, is not unique to anybody else. Well, then <laughs> how many offers do you think they're going to get? None. So, I mean, there's people out there that, you know, they got to use this quote unquote luxury brand. But I think once you dial yourself in on a media standpoint, you can compete with them and show value in ways that the luxury brand could never do. Now, one of the gentlemen we interviewed a couple of weeks ago said that here's the secret to selling real estate. And, you know, whenever I'm interviewing new realtors or new agents, what I tell them is that, you know, your job isn't to sell homes. Your job is to convince one person that you're the right person or the right realtor for the job. Yeah, I mean that's kind of it's funny. There's a there's a there's a sales movie about this, but it says you know a sales made every time. Either they convince you <laughs> why you're not the one, or you convince them that that, that you yeah. are. There's something about that, but I mean I don't know. Just ask yourself anything that you're going to sell. What buyer has ever gone to a real estate agent and said, "I'd like to overpay for a home." <laughs> I mean, right? No one no has <laughs> ever done that. But they're willing to pay what's fair. Yeah. You know, some people want, you know, I'm not willing. I don't want to pay what's fair. I want something. I want to get a I deal. I want a deal. Yeah. Right? But whether they want the deal or they want, they're willing to pay what's fair, they'll never willing to overpay. At the end of the day, we got to remember that. And so the seller yeah. has to remember that too. And I'll just tell them that like, hey, I'm going to take you out or an agent in my office is going to take you out and he's going to look at homes. And I don't expect you to overpay, <laughs> you know, like, and so it's the same thing here. So why don't we reach all of the people who are looking to buy, you know, are willing to pay a fair price and then we'll get more for your house by negotiating with all of those people together at the same time. Yeah. A seller wants to sell and a buyer's looking to buy, you know, and, and so we just, we have to accomplish those basic needs. That's a Sharon thing, you know, <laughs> Sharon said that one time. He's a good right? dude. A seller's looking to sell and a buyer's looking to buy. Remember that when you walk into the living room. You know, what problem can you solve? Well, I'd like, I have a problem. I want to sell my house. Okay, well, <laughs> let's make that happen. You know, and then, then you just go from there. But the segmentation thing is important, I think, in the coming days. Like, again, it's people building trust. The sooner you're able to connect with them in a, in a meaningful way, something that's relative to their life, the sooner you can do that, the better on. Jeff Turner. He said one time on a, I don't know, it was on stage or just to me at dinner, but he says, um, listen with intent. And I just, that, that has always stuck with me. And so like, I'm really mindful when I'm with my clients or with my agents or my staff, like I'm always trying to listen with intent. Right. And so if you, everybody you meet, if you like are always listening, what's the problem? What are they trying to solve? What are they trying to tell me? Like really listen, like be right. present, not be on the phone at the same time, like really be present, then you will learn a lot about your client. And when you learn about them, you'll be able to communicate the way they want to be communicated to. That's 100% right. Yeah, they have these newsletters that are coming out now. And I love this. There's a little thing that said, little button that says, do you like hamburgers? And I laughed when I saw it because I knew exactly what was happening. <laughs> and I, I said, yes. He said, yes or no? Do you like hamburgers? And I said, yes. It says, awesome. So do we. And that's it, right? <laughs> Nothing it didn't take me anywhere. It didn't take me to uh, a coupon for, you know, a Big Mac. Like it just said, thanks, so do we. And I thought, oh wow, like how good is this company? <laughs> they just logged, they know I, the the newsletter was sent to me. So they know that it's Jason, right? At Fresh.com. Yeah. They know that. And right then I got tagged as a hamburger lover. You got segmented. Yeah. 
And so I'll get a newsletter from them, or it'll be a collaboration between them and a burger joint. And they will send me a newsletter that's going to be like... Well, listen, um, I, I meet with a lot of agents on any given month. I've met with a few agents where they have, you know, 4,000 people on their database, 5,000. I met an agent who has 19,000 people on her database. You know, what I said to them was, we don't need to go out and advertise and generate new leads. I'm willing to bet that there's revenue in here. There's revenue in here, but when we're consistently blasting somebody with an IDX strip, I don't think an IDX strip is something of value. No. The reason you're getting 9%, 14%, or even less, a 4% open rate is because you're not sending anything of value. And I'm sorry, but an IDX trip is not a value. Like an IDX trip is relevant to a consumer who's in the game or in the market to buy right now. But I feel like a lot of times the mindset is buyers aren't going to be ready when you want them to be ready. They're going to be ready whenever they're ready. That's right. And that's going to be three months. That's going to be 18 months from now. There's somewhere along that path. An IDX trip isn't going to get them off the fence to buy or sell a home right now. I'm sorry, it's not. Yeah. And, you know, some of these old cliche type sayings that you hear, you know, they're cliche for a reason, but it's just Toma, right? Like how, long, <laughs> how many times have we heard top of mind awareness? Yeah. Like we just got to keep top of mind awareness and they will buy when it's time with you. Yep. If you have been trustworthy over the course of, the three months, six months, eight. trust me, yeah. giving them something that they care about. Yeah. You know, as soon as you break that, it's done. It, it, it's done. There's a lot of other intricacies, but, but, but that's it. Like you break trust. You know, like I went on a listing appointment one time and I was embarrassed that one of my agents in my office had also gone and I didn't know it. And I, that's kind of a, you know, if I ever hear that I'm competing, I'll step out. You know, if they want, we'll list together. Yeah, but this particular, I got through the appointment at the end. She says, Hey, we actually interviewed with one of your agents earlier today. And I was like, Oh, shoot. Like, and she says, you know, we're going to go with you. And I said, Well, I'd love to bring back some feedback for him. She said, Sure. Like within a couple hours after he interviewed, he was sending us uh, an IDX feed of properties uh... in Bass Lake. We didn't mention anything about Bass Lake. We said we'd love to someday you know, be living on a lake in Colorado. <laughs> you know, like we're moving to Colorado. We're selling our home to move to Colorado. You know, like what is an IDX feed full of houses 45 minutes north of us? Right. Have to do with anything. Have to do with anything. She was it just turned us off and made us feel like he wasn't listening. Yeah. So at that point, like we were done. Wow. I understood. Yeah. Makes sense. I mean, obviously I stuck to the agent and and he's like, man, he's like, you know, I just thought like some of them search for lakefront, maybe they'd stay here, you know, uh, it's okay. I mean, there's some, some, you know, rationale behind that thought, but not enough, <laughs> not enough. But I think people are starting, I think agents are going to start to get, it's a numbers game. You can stick to the yeah. next search if you want. And if you've got a hundred thousand people in your database, like you're going to get lucky from time to time. Yeah, and that's cool. I think though the, the 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 winning play is to figure out how who your buyer is, who your seller is, get to know them. There's it can be and scaled. Play play the long game. Play the long game and build your business, and it'll be here for years to come. And, and things like this COVID, it's been horrible. Yeah. But for us, we were uniquely positioned to handle it. Yep. Like we put out like coloring books and activity books and <laughs> restaurant guides. Like people were trying to figure out how to honor local restaurants. Oh, wow. Like, 
three weeks after we had done eight things, you know, <laughs> because we had all the information, our systems and processes are set to do it. And That's so, cool. you know, we crushed on that. And, you know, well, does it mean that sales immediately? No, but yeah. we build, you know, trust in our community. Absolutely. Yeah. And every one of those restaurant owners is loving us, you know? That's awesome. Um, and there's probably going to be, you know, more COVID type events in the world. And it's going to be important that we have relationships with our clients. That That's how we'll, we'll continue to be in business. Yeah. Build your brand, develop what I would consider trust assets, you know, a mechanism for you to be able to effectively build or grow your know, like, and trust factor Yeah, with the audience that you're trying to reach. So yeah, absolutely. Which okay. is what like you take our relationship. Like, I mean, you know, you've built that. I mean, you know a lot about me from working with me over the years. Whether yeah. I'm in a database full of information about Jason, or yeah. just because of memory. But I mean, you know, I it was a, early in my sale, my professional career. I owned a company that rented out inflatables. Like yeah. inflatable obstacle courses and Velcro walls. Oh wow! Yeah, stuff like that. And I helped design some some of these things. Like it was really when that whole industry was starting. And I went. I met this guy named Tom. I went to my first convention, and it was in Orlando. And he's a supplier. Like he makes these games. And we didn't know each other well. He shows up and says hi, shakes my hand, right? And he says, "Hey, I got a little gift for you." And he brings with him a Dan Marino baseball card or football <laughs> card, right? Yeah. Sealed in this little plexiglass little case. Like, dude, like, like I bought every inflatable from him. I never left his brand. Yeah. I had cheaper options, right? To buy games from over the years, but I yeah. bought from him because he listened. He knew I was a wow. Dolphins fan. He knew that I loved Dan Marino. I still have that card today, but that that was an early business lesson for me. And Loyal just, to the brands we trust. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm connected with him on Facebook today. And That's you know, awesome. he's moved on and he's into something else that, you know, is not of interest to me right now. But yeah, that yeah, was good. A testament to him. And I helped me uh, learn that valuable lesson early. Yeah. That's awesome. There's a book on that, by the way. Like, Things I wish my broker would have told me or something. Oh, I'll have to look that one up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think it's got some things like that. That's awesome. Well, Jason, thank you so much for taking the time with us today. Appreciate the words of wisdom. Where can we find you online? Uh, well, fresyes.com is our website, right? And Facebook, fresyes. And then me personally, probably best on Instagram, Jason J. Ferris. Some guy with no post has Jason. He has a <laughs> He has an account with like four followers. It's private and he has, you know, no post, but he's got Jason <laughs> Ferris. So I'm Jason J. Ferris uh, on Instagram. That's a great place to connect with me on. Awesome, man. Thanks for taking the time. All right, brother. Thank you very much. I enjoyed our visit and good luck being a dad soon. Ah, Love <laughs> thanks, it. You'll dude. do great. You'll do great. <laughs> Catch you later. All right. Bye-bye. 